Welcome to the Purposeful Parenting Podcast. I'm Harriet Rowe, wife and mother of four adult children, three girls and one boy, all graduates of the United States Military Academy at West Point. Grab a cup of tea or coffee, get cozy, and take in your weekly dose of Purposeful Parenting. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Purposeful Parenting. Are you ready? Have you heard of the four spiritual laws? Just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws that govern your fellowship with God. The first law tells us that God loves you and offers a wonderful plan for your life. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God's plan states in John 10.10, I came that you might have life and might have it abundantly that it might be full and meaningful. So why is it that most people are not experiencing abundant life? Well, law number two tells us that man is sinful and he's separated from God. Therefore, he cannot know and experience God's love and plan for his life that is, not without God. You see, man is sinful. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just some people, but all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, man was created to have fellowship with God. But because of his own stubborn self-will, he chose to go his independent way and fellowship with God was broken. This self-will characterized by an attitude of active rebellion or passive indifference is an evidence of what the Bible calls sin. Once again, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see, man is separated from God. The wages of sin is death. And this is a spiritual separation from God. And you can read about this in Romans 6.23. God is holy and man is sinful. There's a great gulf that separates man from God. Man is continually trying to reach God and the abundant life through his own efforts. He'll go and do things saying that I have a good life, I've done good things. He'll try to reach through philosophy or religion, but he inevitably will fail. And the law, the third law explains the only way to bridge this gulf is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. 
Through him, you can know and experience God's love and his plan for your life. He died. Jesus died in our place. Romans 5, 8 tells us God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he rose from the dead. Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. He appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than five hundred. You can read about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3-6. through 6. Jesus is the only way to God. You can't get there by doing good. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 14, 6. God has bridged the gulf that separates us from him by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross in our place and to pay the penalty for our sins. Remember once again, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it's not enough just to know these three laws. Law 4 tells us we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. You see, unfortunately, a lot of people believe that just because their mother was a Baptist or just because their father was a Christian, or just because they grew up in the church, that they are saved. But that is not the case. Law 4, once again, we must individually receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then we can know and experience God's love and plan for our lives. We have to take an active part in receiving him. We must receive Christ. As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, John 1, 12. We receive Christ then through faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 tells us, By grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, that no one should boast. Once again, we cannot work our way to be saved. We have to go through Jesus Christ, and it's through faith. When we receive Christ, we experience what we know as a new birth. So when you can, read John, third chapter, one through eight. We receive Christ through a personal invitation. Christ tells us, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. And he is inviting all of us to accept his invitation. It's Revelation 3.20. Receiving Christ involves turning to God from self or repenting and trusting Christ to come into our lives to forgive our sins, to make us what he wants us to be. Just to agree intellectually that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins is not enough. You see, a lot of people know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and even believe that he died, but they fall short of having that relationship with him. It's not enough to have an emotional experience. You see, we receive Jesus Christ by faith. It is an act of the will. Now, there are two kinds of lives, the self-directed life and the Christ-directed life. In the self-directed life, Self is on the throne, but in the Christ-directed life, Christ is the life and Christ is on the throne. In the self-directed life, Christ is outside the life. In the Christ-directed life, self is yielding to Christ. And in the self-directed life, Interests are directed by self, and because it's directed by self, it often results in discord and frustration. But in the Christ-directed life, interests are directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. And he directs us by his word, the Bible. So let me ask you, which one best represents your life, the self-directed life or the Christ-directed life? Which would you like to have represent your life? Let's look at them again. Self-directed life, self is on the throne, Christ is outside of your life, and interests are directed by self, often resulting in discord and frustration. On the other hand, Christ-directed life, Christ is in the life and on the throne. Self is yielding to Christ, and interests are directed by Christ, resulting in harmony with God's plan. I know for me, I choose the Christ-directed life, and I hope that's the one you will choose. Now, the following explains how you can receive Christ. And many of you listening have already done this. And I hope after you hear this, you will be a lot more sensitive to those, whether they're family or friends, who may not have and can lead them into the four spiritual laws. So you can receive Christ right now if you haven't already done so by faith through prayer. And prayer is talking with God. 
God knows your heart, and he's not so concerned with your words, but he is concerned with the attitude of your heart. Now, here is a suggested prayer that's given in the four spiritual laws. Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Does this prayer express the desire of your heart? If it does, then I invite you to pray this prayer now, and Christ will come into your life as he promised. Again, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for giving my sins, for forgiving my sins, and giving me eternal life. Take control of the throne of my life, making me the kind of person you want me to be. Now, to know that Christ is in your life, well, did you receive Christ into your life? Did you pray that prayer? According to his promise in Revelation 3.20, where is Christ right now in relationship to you? Christ said he would come into your life. Would he mislead you? No, not at all. And on what authority do you know God has answered your prayer? You can know because the trustworthiness of God himself and his word. God promised and he always keeps his promises. The Bible promises eternal life to all who receive Christ. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. First John 5, 11 through 13. Thank God often that Christ is in your life and that he will never leave you. Hebrews 13.5 tells us that. You can know on the basis of his promise that Christ lives in you and that you have eternal life from the very moment you invite him in. He will not deceive you. Now, here's a couple of things to remember. Do not depend on your feelings. The promise of God's word, meaning the Bible, not your feelings, is your authority. Remember, do not depend on your feelings. Depend on what God's word tells you. The Christian lives by faith, trust, in the trustworthiness of God himself 
and his word. The relationship between God and his word, faith, our trust in God and his word, and the feeling, the result of our faith and obedience. Read John 14, 21. Now, think in terms of a train. The train will run with or without the caboose. However, it would be useless to attempt to pull the train by the caboose. In the same way, as Christians, we do not depend on feelings or emotions, but we place our faith, our trust, and the trustworthiness of God and the promises of his word, the Holy Bible. Now that you have received Christ, the moment you received Christ by faith as an act of the will, many things happened, and these are some of them. Colossians 1.27 tells us that Christ came into your life, and this can be seen also in Revelations 3.20. Colossians 1.14 tells us that once you received Christ, your sins were forgiven. Now, we are humans, and we will sin from time to time, but God has given us a way to repent of our sins. You became a child of God, according to John 1.12. And then John 5.24 says you received eternal life. You also began the great adventure for which God created you. You can read about this in John 10.10, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Let me ask you, can you think of anything more wonderful that could happen to you than receiving Christ? I know I can't. Would you like to thank God in prayer right now for what he has done? Just a simple thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. By thanking God, you demonstrate your faith. Now, in order to enjoy your new life to the fullest, you want to do a few things. Spiritual growth results from trusting Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.11 says, The righteous man shall live by faith. A A life of faith will enable you to trust God increasingly with every detail of your life and to practice the following. Growth is the G, go to God in prayer daily, John 15, 7. Then R, read God's word daily, Acts 17, 11, and begin with the Gospel of John. O is obey God moment by moment, John 14:21 W is witness for Christ by your life and your words Matthew 4:19 and John 15:8 Then trust God for every detail of your life 
1 Peter 5, 7. And then H is for the Holy Spirit. Allow him to control and empower your daily life and witness. You can read about that in Galatians 5, 16, and 17, and Acts 1, 8. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that these things are easy, because I know myself that there have been times when I have found myself missing times with reading, missing times with spending time with God, or feeling angry about something, or or doubting what's going on. But you know, God knows that we are human, and He forgives us. The important thing is to work on your Christian faith daily. Also, fellowship in a good church. Now, I say good church. I mean a church that is preaching God's word. There are so many churches now that are politically correct, in, politically correct, and that is not where you want to be. If there is a friend that has a Bible-believing church that they can invite you to, fine. If you go to a church and pray when you go and ask the Holy Spirit to let you know if this is the one, trust me, he will guide you to the right church. God's word instructs us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews 10.25. Remember that several logs burn brightly together, but put one aside on the coal fireplace and the fire will go out. So it's important that you have relationships with other Christians. If you don't already belong to a church, don't wait to be invited. Take the initiative. Call pastors. Go to churches. But once again, in this day and age, make sure it's a Bible-preaching, Bible-believing church. And there are also special materials that are available that I see in the Four Spiritual Laws Handbook. And one of them is cru.org or startingwithgod.com. Parents, it's important that you help your child get ready. Get ready to know the four spiritual laws and not just know them, but to receive them. How you respond to the four spiritual laws will help you in setting the stage for helping your children. Remember, your children watch what you were doing. And believe me, they will be watching as you are leading them towards the four spiritual laws and as you have received Christ into your heart. You parents have an awesome responsibility in raising children. And one of the biggest ones is helping them to get ready helping them through the four spiritual laws. And yes, by doing this, you are definitely 
parenting on purpose. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Purposeful Parenting. For more tips on parenting, or if you would like to reach out, please visit me on HarrietRowe.com and follow me on Facebook, Harriet Rowe. That's Harriet with two T's. I look forward to grabbing a cup of tea or coffee with you next week. Feel free to invite a friend. Until then, this is Harriet Rowe reminding you to parent on purpose. Thank you.